0: Hello, Cavs fans. Happy Victory Day to you. Now, today is about the season opener, but indulge me for just a moment, because most of you think of me as that guy that talks about the Cavs on this podcast. But my family knows me as the third child of three, the smallest and the weakest, and also the most handsome and charismatic, but that's neither here nor there. As the third child, some of you can probably relate, I got my ass kicked on a regular basis. I had an older brother who had a short temper. I realized somewhere along the way that the way to minimize my suffering was to sell my pain. My brother would repeatedly punch me in the face and I would immediately just start screaming, crying. Now usually just the shock of me reacting like I had had my leg blown off by a grenade would make him stop punching me about the face and eye socket. But even if it didn't, it would serve as a warning sign to my parents to look over here and intervene before my brother can kill me. Now that worked for a while, but then I got even greedier. I would wait till he was walking by me, hurl myself onto the ground, (laughs) And then I would scream as if he hit me. Now, he didn't hit me. I faked it. I was a floppy grifter. I was rewarded. My brother was punished, even though he never laid a finger on me. And while this delighted me, it enraged him. So finally, the day came when my parents weren't home and my brother was home. And that was the day that after many, many successful instances of me grifting for sympathy, or preferential treatment, I was met with a harsh comeuppance. My brother picked up a chair and hit me in the face. Ah! Now, if you've been a part of the Fear the Fro podcast before, you probably think that where this is headed is that I was about to say something to the effect of Cam Johnson trying to take a dive on the final possession after a game full of getting favorable whistles was the equivalent of me getting hit in the face with a chair and that at some point karma catches up to you and you get burned and i wish that was the point that i was making but my motivations are a bit more selfish you see because this is the first podcast of the 2023 2024 regular season the first game when that happened last year I got the largest audience I had gotten in months over the course of the whole offseason. People are finally engaged who were only casually engaged before, so I can expect the same this year. And in knowing that I would have more people than usual, I wanted to use my platform to make sure all of you knew my brother is an asshole who hit a smaller, defenseless child in the face with a handcrafted kitchen dining chair. Oh, but please don't let me delay you any further with my childhood trauma being a victim Let's talk about basketball a sport where grown men run back and forth and dribble a piece of leather filled with air on top of a bunch of wooden planks God you guys are fucking dicks Frozen <laughs> Season three Back again St pod new results A lot of people said I couldn't do this Probably accurate. For the Cavs fans, as I see you made it, absolute infuriation with the trading Donnie boys. A summer of self lowly lights too bright, our window's closing. How will we compete? Blow it all up. JB, he's not the guy. They say we cannot do it. They say the end is near. Dame is in Milwaukee and withdrew. This became Boston's year. We have our doubters, but our youth will rise above them all. From first-round show to a squad challenging to take it all. This season, I'll keep believing we find another gear. Better shooters, better Mobley and Darius striking fear. Second. One rounder better is easy cheddar, so make your pick. The calves are back, so's the fro haters. Consume a penis. Now, the Cavaliers are shocking the lead. Welcome, Fear the Fro listeners. Welcome in a 1 0 record, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Victorious, let's fade this song down. Thank you. And welcome in Cavs fans. What a great night had by all. It, it was really good in the beginning, got dicier by the end, but now based on how it ended, I think it was worth it. I think with the benefit of hindsight, we can look back on that final minute and a half and say it was all worth it because while this only counts for one victory in the standings, it counts for a victory for the Donovan Mitchell agenda. Now you may recall from last season, one of the biggest basketball commentators in the world, Bill Simmons, had a running narrative of a one Donovan Mitchell, an example. I think part of the problem is I don't think he's been that great for them in crunch times. A terrible season of accumulating the fifth most points in the clutch of anyone in the NBA, trailing only De'Aaron Fox, DeMar DeRozan, Jimmy Butler, and Jalen Brunson, but today... Facing the biggest deficit of the game, six points, with just a minute and a half left, Donovan Mitchell proceeded to put the team on his shoulders and score seven of the final nine Cavalier points. First, a beautiful pull-up jump shot where he came over a Mobley screen, got Claxton, an elite defender, on skates, and knocked it down. Then... He blew up an attempt by Royce O'Neill to hand the ball to McHale Bridges at the half-court circle. Stole it. Went coast to coast. Tie ball game. We've taken a six-point deficit. We've got all the momentum. It's tied up. And then an awful turn of events. The Nets running out of time on the shot clock. Mobley's got Cam Johnson blanketed. He throws the ball to McHale Bridges, who kind of fumbles it. It's on the floor. Donovan Mitchell dives at it, and he rolls up McHale getting a foul in the process, sending him to the free throw line. Of course, Bridges knocks down both. The Cavs find themselves trailing by two with 20 seconds left. And that's when the magical three-point jump shot of Donovan Mitchell happened. Now, I already played you the audio, but what I want to play you now is the reaction, because they always say there's three sides of every story. There's your side, there's my side, and there's the truth. Well, Austin Carr, beloved Cavalier commentator, not only did he not think it was an offensive foul, but he went so far as to say it was a defensive foul of the flop variety. Johnson was trying to draw the foul. He doesn't get it. Well, you take a risk there, sliding across the floor and leaving Donovan Mitchell all by his lonesome. But that should be a flopping call right there. That was a flop. We should get a free throw for them. Now you can hear AC's pretty emotional there because earlier in the game, after watching the Nets parade to the line again and again and again, the Cavs also managed to get a flopping call against Darius Garland. This following a preseason in which we saw multiple guys, guys on both sides of the ball, were called for hanging on the rim. So this is clearly going to be on the agenda of the NBA. Now, meanwhile, the Brooklyn Nets with Iron Eagle and Sarah Kustak, they viewed it quite differently. So a no-call out front, they let him play, and Donovan Mitchell creates space and hits the J. Tough one right there. Looks like there is an extension with the arm. Johnson goes down. But regardless, shot goes through. Well, you hear it. There's a heavy implication there that Donovan Mitchell extended his arm. You watch the video and decide for yourself. I will say this, though. I would also be upset that in the final 90 seconds, the best look that I could generate came by being trampled by Donovan Mitchell diving for a loose ball. I would be upset that my star player turned the ball over at half court, leaving an unobstructed runway for Donovan Mitchell to just yam it on you. And I would be upset that my six-foot-nine forward couldn't stay upright in front of a six-foot-one guard, allowing him an uncontested, wide-open three-point shot to seal the victory for the Cavs. That's bullshit, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but enough about officiating because we have history to talk about our brand new cleveland cavalier our shiny sign and trade acquisition max Strus. a lot of fears that he's a product of miami's system well tonight he made a very strong argument that he may benefit from the talent around him in our system even more than he did in miami one game is just one game I don't want to overreact, but it's hard not to overreact knowing that Max Struess just set a record for the most threes by a Cavalier in their debut with the team, a record that was held by J.R. Bremer since 2003, and Max Struess broke it tonight. But let's not limit it to the Cavs. Let's look at all of NBA history. Seven three-pointers and 12 rebounds on less than 20 shot attempts is a ridiculous stat line, one that cannot possibly have happened that much, right? Well, there are only seven men who have recorded at least seven three-pointers and at least 12 rebounds while shooting less than 20 times. Now I'll give you the list rapidly here. It's Bobby Portis, Miles Turner, Sadiq Bey, Jared Dudley, Pages, Stoyakovich, and Troy Murphy. Most of the men on that list, Dudley notwithstanding, are larger gentlemen. Max Struess is the shortest man to ever do that, and top that off with the fact that that he did it in his first game with a new team it makes it all the more impressive now i do think it's worth pointing out that sadiq bay if you were unfamiliar with this game in 2021 he scored 30 points and had 12 rebounds on a perfect seven for seven from beyond the arc that is clearly my favorite stat line of all those seven men but just the idea that there was a time where jared dudley was giving you 33 and 12 with seven three-pointers is mind-blowing because most of us just remember the portion of his career with that magical Brooklyn run. But the point is, Max Struess should be celebrated. And for anyone who questioned the dollars that Max Struess got at four for 61 million, well, put this in perspective. The last few days we've seen the rookie extensions of guys. Danny Avdia got four for fifty five. Onyaka Kongwu got four for sixty-two. Where would you put Max Struess amongst those two players? Now I like a Kongwu. But he's a big man, which usually depreciates your value slightly compared to the other types of players who can stretch the floor in this space-and-pace NBA. Max Struess looks like a value signing at this point. And I'm hopeful that the same will be said for Nyang. Now, Nyang was bad tonight. Missed every one of his shots, all of which came from outside the arc. A forgettable debut for him. But if you average the two together, if you take Max Strus's debut and combine it with George Nyang's. Collectively, Max Struess and George Nyang accounted for 27 points, 16 rebounds, and seven three-pointers. Unbelievable. Not a single turnover amongst the bunch. And that's another storyline here. This Cavalier team was rolling out multiple guys who had not played together. Max Struess, George Nyang. This Cavalier team is implementing a new offense with more spacing, more pace, more off-ball movement, more guys involved. And they're doing it with new teammates, still learning one another, still learning where each other likes the ball. And throughout all of that, not a single turnover for Donovan Mitchell, Ty Jerome, Karis Levert, or Max Struess. Darius Garland, six, but outside of him, incredible ball protection from the rest of the squad and an encouraging sign, considering quick decisions often lead to quick mistakes. Now, we got to talk about Isaac Okoro, because on the heels of not signing an extension, today Fedor had a piece about him being upset that he didn't get extended. And, and certainly, that's a troubling article to see on the first day of the season. But you would not know, based on what he did out there on the court, that Isaac Okoro was upset. And if he is upset, well, then I hope that we don't extend anyone, because the kind of effort he played with tonight was incredible it's always the defense. I mean, he got the toughest assignments. He got Mikhail Bridges. They switched him later in the game onto Cam Thomas, who saw a 24-point first half end up being just 12 in the second half. And his trips to the line basically ended. Isaac Okoro not only got the toughest defensive assignments, but he got out in transition. He filled to the right spots on the floor. We kicked it out for, he hit two corner threes but we also got to see him use the threat of the three-pointer to drive in towards the rim when guys closed out on him. Just how refreshing was it that the guys were closing out on him? Now, I don't know if that was the correct defensive read by them or if they were just overplaying him, but on one of the plays, it allowed him to drive in, pull up for a jump shot that he missed, and he still managed to get his own rebound and get fouled. If there is such a thing as a quiet 18, 6, 4, and 2, I looked up early in the fourth quarter and thought to myself, how did Akoro end up with 18 points and then... You look at the breakdown, he poured it on after the first half. And I think what's wild is that if you had told me that at the end of the game, the Cavaliers would be trailing by two with 20 seconds left, and I would be rooting for JB to leave Okoro in there instead of subbing in Levert for the offensive possession, I would have thought you're crazy. But that's how I found myself feeling. I was bummed when JB took him out. For And that's not even slander on Levert and how awful he shot tonight. Because I thought Levert had a pretty solid game. As far as the box score goes, yeah, I get it. It was horrific. But I'm not talking about his shooting. I'm talking about every other component. Collapsing the defense, putting pressure on guys defensively, getting hands in passing lanes, and then finding the guys who were open. Because on back-to-back possessions, he found Okoro in the dunker spot, and then he found Max Struess curling through the middle of the lane for an easy bucket. And those were big plays in the context of the game. And especially in the first half, I thought Okoro had his fingerprints on everything. Now to Darius. I know this was a tale of two halves with him where he was he looked incredibly good in the first half and then he basically vanished in the second half, had a ton of turnovers, had more turnovers than points in the second half. But one thing I did think stood out about Darius is he looked more physical out there. There was a lot more fighting And guys have always clutched and grabbed him off the ball, but the way he got the nets into the bonus when Spencer tried to manhandle him a little bit and he just ripped his arms away, that was encouraging. And then I thought maybe it was I was looking for it after that point, but they tried to isolate him and expose him a little bit on defense. And Simmons tried to call for the ball in the block and Darius was fighting to prevent that pass in. And the same thing happened later in the game with Claxton. He tried to seal Darius behind him, and Darius managed to fight his way free and tip the ball away and create a turnover. I think he looks more rugged to me. Maybe I'm fooling myself. But even on the blocking foul where Dorian Finney-Smith kind of put his off arm into him and sent him sprawling, just the fact Garland was willing to try to take that charge was an encouraging sign to me. Now, Mobley, I don't think this game was anything to write home about for him, but uh, I did think his first half was better than his second, similar to Darius Garland's. I wouldn't draw conclusions from this because we got a lot out of the ancillary pieces here. And Mobley, if if anything, he's not a selfish player, never has been. So the fact that it was working for Max Struess and Isaac Okoro, he didn't force anything, as evidenced by the fact that we didn't have a lot of turnovers for a team. For the other team, I don't know what there is to say other than I think that the Ben Simmons rejuvenation thing, I'm going to need to see more, obviously, because tonight I wasn't all that impressed. And it's easy to say that in the sense that Cam Thomas was so hot, of course they're going to go away from Ben Simmons. But for all the talk of the pace, now here's an interesting stat. For all of the talk of us and how we were changing our offense and how we're going to do a faster pace and we're going to fire up three-pointers, over the course of the four preseason games, the Nets led the league, both in the amount of three-pointers made, and the percentage. We made them at a 35% clip, and I thought it felt like we were shooting pretty damn well. They made them at a 44% clip. So they were looking to achieve a lot of the same things because for all the guys on their roster that are considered these long 3 and D guys, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, a lot of them shot like shit last year. They were mostly just defense. So I think the hope was that Simmons could help them push the pace and find shooters in a way that... They didn't have last year from him, Uh, but but this game, it definitely was stacked largely because of Max Struess in the Cavs' favor as we made 17 threes to just nine. And next up for us, a two-game homestand against the Thunder and the Pacers. Also, the Wizards and Pacers game, I was watching that one before the Cavs one started, and it was close in the beginning. In fact, the Wizards were leading, but the Pacers took control in the second half and in the third quarter and an incredibly balanced effort from their roster. That is a team which I said on the last podcast, I am particularly interested to see if the sum of the parts can achieve you know more wins than people are expecting from them. And tonight, you saw a great example of that as eight guys of theirs scored in double figures. They got big contributions across the board and a huge game for their free agent acquisition, Bruce Brown, who nailed six three-pointers of his own. Please join me again for the next Fear the Fro podcast. I got a a Pacers-related guest coming up. That'll be the next one I give you. And let's all celebrate till the next time we reconvene that Jalen Brunson opened the season with a 6-for-21 turd and Emmanuel Quickly, who will be looking for a payday of his own, erupted for 24 points on 64-71 splits. Good job, Emmanuel. Doing big work for the fro agenda. Okay, that's enough. Stop it! This has been another Fear the Fro. It's over! Podcast. That was pathetic. If you enjoyed what you heard today, put it on the highlight reel. Please consider subscribing. Check out fropod.com for more Cavaliers and NBA coverage. That's what's on display here.